Seen plenty of maters in Materville. Huh? This is Materville, isn't it? Yeah, I tell you. It's, this is the time of the year. It really is. Nothing like heaven in a mater. Well, today's gospel reading, it's a very uh, fantastic gospel reading. Um, two words come to my mind when I think about this reading. Wonder and inspiration. And boy, we need both, don't we? We need both. And that's so important, and I think that's why it's so relevant to today. The transfiguration was such a moving experience in the life of the apostles that three of the four wrote, it, wrote about it. Now, when you find that many writing about one event, it's substantial. That means it's, a, it's, an, event, it's an event that really hit them, and it's one that they never forgot. And, wow, I can, I can see why that would be the play, case. Uh, before we go into the story, just a little bit of a backdrop, because it's really important in setting the stage for what is about to happen here. Six days before that, Jesus asked the apostles, he gathered them together, and he says, who do people say that I am? Who am I? And then after they tell him, well, Moses, Elijah, prophet, great person, then who do you say that I am? Peter, the spoke, he's always the spokesperson. He stands up and he says, well, you're the son of the living God. You're the Messiah. You're the Christ. That's who you are. Jesus, that was, that was a turning point in Jesus' ministry. It was a turning point in his life and the life of the apostles. Why? Because he tells them, he says something afterwards. He said, Peter, flesh didn't reveal that to you. You know, he'd not professed that before. Flesh didn't reveal, the Holy Spirit revealed that to you. And that's powerful. That means it's time to move on. And so what Jesus does, this is the first instance where he tells them what's about to happen. See, Jerusalem's just down the road. And what he says to them, I'm going to suffer, I'm going to die, and on the third day I'll be resurrected. That's what he tells them. Never told them that before this, see. Holy Spirit had to get in their hearts and, and teach them a few things. Uh, well, they went into a state of shock. I mean, you would too, I would. You know, Jesus' best friend, and Jesus was more than casual friend. Uh, somebody you see every now and then at Walmart and say, hey, Jesus, how's it going? You having a good week kind of thing? Well, no, that's not what it was. They were following Jesus. They followed him for three years. And uh, they gave up their businesses to follow him and everything, actually, in order to follow him and to know him. So to hear that their best friend and their master, so to speak, and as he would say later, your friend, your best friend, he said, uh, you know, they were, they were tore up about it. And I can, I can understand that. They didn't, they heard the first two words, suffering and dying, but not the resurrection on the third day. See, they didn't have any kind of basis to form that on. You ever seen anybody resurrected from the dead? Not yet. Okay. Well, they hadn't either. So what did it mean? Was it figurative? Was it symbolic? Was it literal? They didn't know. And they wouldn't know fully until after the resurrection what he meant by it. All they knew is at this point is that they were downhearted about it. So six days passed, and it, it was a rough week. There's no doubt about that. They they'd had a rough week. By this point, Jesus' ministry is flourishing. There are tons of people that are coming to him, so many that uh, he couldn't even go into a town or a village anymore. 
they they'd crowd him out. And so from here on out, his ministry's done in the in the country. That's where you, you want to see Jesus, you want to talk to him, go to the country. That's where he is. That's where you'll find him. And he was there too because people in the city there were people who wanted to kill him. He had friend and foe. Either Jesus was one of those guys you either loved or you hated. That was sort of the that was sort of the spectrum that uh, came along with Jesus. So uh, they didn't know. So the disciples were, they were dealing with lots of logistics kind of things. Like, you know, Jesus says uh, one day, he says, well, why are you going to feed them? Well, he says, Lord, there's uh, 5,000 people here. We can't tell them to go down to Kroger's and buy something, bring it back. We're out in the country. Well, feed them anyway. Doesn't he? he does a wonderful miracle, doesn't he? When he takes place after he blesses those couple little fish and loaves of bread. Um, but see, that's the they were dealing with it. They were they were tore up. They were wore out. You ever been worn out? You ever feel like you're just dragging? You know, it's like boy, this this world's getting me, getting to me. Uh, you know, how do you deal with that? Well, it was what was on Jesus's mind. How am I going to deal with this? With uh, with my with my group he says well i'm going to take three of you up on the mountain three of you this was sort of what you call the inner circle james peter and john whenever jesus did something particularly special those are the three he always took with him james peter and john you'll find him doing that on uh, several occasions there he says let's go up on the mountain now i'm from the mountains i love the mountains Mountain's a sign of God to me. Whenever I see the majesty of the mountain, I'm just, I'm sort of awestruck. I mean, you know, it just gets to me, so to speak. And I had a mountain in my backyard, actually, growing up. I was thinking about that yesterday. I, I used to go up there and swing on grapevines, they called them. You know, you ever done any of that? Or you ever told your kids, you can't go up on the mountains and swing on grapevines. I'd, I'd swing over a 20-foot uh, drop and wouldn't think nothing about it. Uh, I mean, it was it was pretty crazy. I was I was definitely pretty crazy back then. Um, but uh, you know, let's go up on the mountain. See, when you get up on the mountain, you can clear your head out. You know, I just came from the Smokies. You get up on top of the mountain, you get on Clingman's Cliff. You can clean your head, clear your head out, because you can see forever. What it does is it gives you perspective, and perspective allows you to rise above. See, we get caught up in all the stuff that's going down down here in our lives and what jesus is saying get called up <laughs> you know not down but get called up and look at the greater perspective of life and see god and so um, he says i gotta encourage him now going up on the mountain is really impressive of course but it had to be more than that he says, what can I do to really encourage them? What can I do to really encourage you today? Maybe that's a better way to put it. I like that. It's the same thing. He said, what will I do? I know what I'm going to do. I've not done this before. They've not seen this yet. What's he going to do? He's going to show them his glory. That's what he's going to do. Now, what does that mean? <laughs> what does that mean? Well, it did say that uh, he was transfigured. We do know that. That's why we, what we call this feast, the transfiguration of the Lord. Uh, 
he started to shine. His face was brilliant, was glowing. How about that's pretty cool? You know, uh, he's in the obedient presence of God's what he is. And it says that even his clothes started to shine. They were whiter than white. You know, sometimes I try to, I, I get grease. I got some grease on some of my shirts last week. How am I going to get that grease out of my shirt? Well, I surely don't ask the wife about it because she'll get mad. You know, why do you mean getting grease on your new T-shirt? You ever do that? Oh, I do. I get in all kinds of trouble. I just walk into it hand and foot. But, uh, you know, I got, did the best I could with it. But it didn't get it out. But here they're, here they're glowing. That's how, that's how much it is. Their clothes are dazzling white. See, what Jesus is doing is showing him something that we need to see every day in our lives. What is it? It's his glory. What is the glory of Jesus? It's his brightness. It's his splendor. It's his power. It's his strength. It's his majesty. It's... Just everything that's good. That's the glory of Jesus. And what happens when you see the glory of Jesus, two things. One is wonder, and the other one is inspiration. Wonder, awe. This is something we've lost today, and it's sad. Because, you know, look what a pick-me-up it was for these apostles. We've lost the wonder of God in our lives. Uh, we're so immersed in all of the stuff that's going on in the world. We've lost a sense of awe and wonder of what God is doing. There was a uh, recent survey that came out by Wall Street Journal. It says, would you consider yourself to be very happy? Here's what they found. Uh, five years ago, 25% uh, of the population said, yeah, I'm very happy. Today, 13%. Five years later, it's cut in half, isn't it? Be happy. You know, I thought about that. Well, why can't I be happy? God's not changed, has he? Where's God gone? God's not gone anywhere. Is the glory of God changed? See, God never changes. I don't care what your situation is. God never changes. And that's the beauty of who God is. See, we've got to get a vision of the glory of God in our lives. Oh, but we're too scientific today. You know, who believes in walking on water? Who believes in resurrecting somebody from the dead? You don't believe in that stuff, do you? Huh? When you believe in it and when you see it, it transforms your life. So you've got to look, you got, what do you got to do? got to go up on the mountain you got to get above all this stuff and see the glory of God they call that awe it's to have your breath taken away that's what it's called and when you get that vision of God who he really is well it changes things because you realize there's nothing greater there's nothing greater than God I like what Paul said. He put it perfectly. I mean, he couldn't have written it, written it any better. He said, the sufferings of this present time, that'd be what you're experiencing today, okay? And I'm experiencing. The sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is being revealed to us. 
He said it, I didn't, you know? But isn't that the truth? Nothing, it's not even comparable. There's no, no even close second to it. What do we do? We've got to put our focus on God. Now, here's something I've learned over time. When I keep my focus on God throughout the course of the day, I'm filled with awe and wonder and peace. When I get my focus on the day off of the God of who is, I start to droop. I start to get anxious. I start to stress is what I do. And I lose that sense of focus, that sense of awe about who God is. What I have to do, this is what literally this is what I do. I stop. That's what I do. I stop whatever I'm doing, and I say, i got to get my focus back. So I get my focus back. I get my focus back on God. And when I get my focus back on God, guess what? Here comes the peace. <laughs> Here comes the peace. Why? I've got perspective. That's why. Uh, God is greater than any of the sufferings of this present age, isn't he? There's, uh, that's a wonderful wonderful thought. The second thing is that uh, this experience leads us to inspiration. It inspires us. You know, we're filled with wonder. We're filled with awe. Now we got to do something with it. You ever get pumped up? You ever go to a conference and get pumped up? Oh man, I'm ready. I'm going to come back. You know, I'm inspired. I'm going to change things. Well, they didn't want to be changed. The disciples didn't. <laughs> I think that's pretty interesting. He had to motivate him. What did Peter say? He said, Lord, I want to stay here. Man, this is, this is where it's at. This is bliss. This is bliss. I just want to stay here. As a matter of fact, I'll build three tents, one for you, Moses, and Elijah, and uh, we'll just stay up here and worship you all day long. Is that okay? What did Jesus say? Let's go down the mountain, boys. You know, even as, I think it's interesting that uh, the writer even noticed it when they were, uh, when, uh, when Peter was saying this, big cloud comes over him, and God speaks. He says, this is my son, whom I'm well pleased in. Listen to him. Folks, listen to him. <laughs> and uh, when that happened, guess what they did? They hit the ground. They laid straight out. Uh, that's exactly what they did. And uh, prostrate, they said. Or is it prostate? Which one is it? All right, they laid prostrate. And that's what they did. Uh, Jesus had to come up and say to them, boys, you've been inspired now. You've been energized. You've been renewed. You've got to go down. There's a drooping bunch of people down there. You've got to go help them out. So he taps them on the shoulder and he says, let's go. Let's go. It's time to go. We got to go down the mountain where the people are, and we got to encourage them. We got to support them. That's what inspiration is about. You're inspired to do something. You become passionate about it. That's what our faith teaches us to do. Because Jesus said, "You'll get to experience this." I mean, once you go to heaven, that's all there'll be, boys. Just bliss. As a matter of fact, the glory of God is so great in heaven that you don't need light bulbs, you don't need candles or anything for light. Just the, the face of God's glory shining is enough to light the city. You'll get to, but right now you got to go down. So 
Be inspired. Fill yourself with awe and wonder. And then go out. See, let the glory of God shine on your face. Is that possible? You know what's, a, what's the sure sign of glory today on a Christian's face? You know what it is? Somebody told me this walking out this morning. Father, it's a smile. It's a smile. Everything's going to be okay. It's a smile. It works. I, my, I do a lot of ministry at Walmart, just walking around smiling. That's all I do. I don't say nothing. I just smile. They acknowledge that. That's the glory of God. God bless you. I love you.